Chapter One of When a Man Marries. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sharon Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas. When a Man Marries by Mary Roberts Reinhardt needles and pins needles and pins when a man marries his trouble begins at least i meant well when the dreadful thing occurred that night everyone turned on me the injustice of it hurt me most they said i got up the dinner that i asked them to give up other engagements and come that i promised all kinds of jollification if they would come and when they did come and got in the papers and everyone but ourselves laughed himself black in the face they turned on me i who suffered ten times to their one i shall never forget what dallas brown said to me standing with a coal shovel in one hand and a well perhaps it would be better to tell it all in the order it happened it began with jimmy wilson and a conspiracy was helped on by a foot-square piece of yellow paper and a japanese butler and it enmeshed and mixed up generally ten respectable members of society and a policeman. Incidentally, it involved a pearl collar and a box of soap, which sounds incongruous, doesn't it? It is a great misfortune to be stout, especially for a man. Jim was rotund and looked shorter than he really was, and as all the lines of his face, or what should have been lines, were really dimples, his face was about as flexible and full of expression as a pillow in a tight cover. The angrier he got, the funnier he looked. And when he was raging and his neck swelled up over his collar and got red, he was entrancing. And everybody liked him, and borrowed money from him, and laughed at his pictures. He has one in the Hargrave Gallery in London now, so people buy them instead. And smoked his cigarettes and tried to steal his jap. The whole story hinges on the Jap. The trouble was, I think, that no one took Jim seriously. His ambition in life was to be taken seriously, but people steadily refused to. His art was a huge joke, except to him. If he asked people to dinner, everyone expected a frolic. When he married Bella Knowles, people chuckled at the wedding and considered it the wildest prank of Jimmy's career although jim himself seemed to take it awfully hard we had all known them both for years i went to farmington with bella and ann brown was her matron of honor when she married jim my first winter out jimmy had paid me a lot of attention he painted my portrait in oils and had a studio tea to exhibit it it was a very nice picture but it did not look like me so i stayed away from the exhibition jim asked me to he said he was not a photographer, and that anyhow the rest of my features called for the nose he had given me, and that all the Grez women have long necks. I have not. After I refused Jim twice, he met Bella at a camp in the Adirondacks, and when he came back, he came at once to see me. He seemed to think I would be sorry to lose him, and he blundered over the telling for twenty minutes. Of course, no woman likes to lose a lover no matter what she may say about it but jim had been getting on my nerves for some time and i was much calmer than he expected me to be 
if you mean i said finally in desperation that you and bella are are in love why don't you just say so jim i think you will find that i stand it wonderfully he brightened perceptively i didn't know how you would take it kit he said and i hope we will always be bully friends you are absolutely sure you don't care a whoop for me absolutely i replied and we shook hands on it then he began about bella it was very tiresome bella is a nice girl but i had roomed with her at school and i was under no illusions when jim raved about bella and her banjo and bella and her guitar i had painful moments when i recalled bella learning her two songs on each instrument and the old english ballad she had learned to play on the harp when he said she was too good for him i never batted an eye and i shook hands solemnly across the tea-table again and wished him happiness which was sincere enough but hopeless and said we had only been playing a game but that it was time to stop playing jim kissed my hand and it was really very touching we had been the best of friends ever since two days before the wedding he came around from his tailor's and we burned all his letters to me he would read one and say here's a crackerjack kit and pass it on to me and after i had read it we would lay it on the fire log and jim would say i am not worthy of her kit i wonder if i can make her happy or did you know that the duke of belford proposed to her in london last winter of course one has to take the woman's word about a thing like that but the duke of belford had been mad about maud richard all that winter you can see that the burning of the letters which was meant to be reminiscently sentimental a sort of how silly we were but it is all over now occasion became actually a two hours elegy of bella and just when i was bored to death the mercer girls dropped in and heard jim began to read one commencing dearest kit and the next day after the rehearsal dinner they told bella there was very nearly no wedding at all bella came to see me in a frenzy the next morning and threw jim and his two hundred odd pounds in my face and although i explained it all over and over she never quite forgave me that was what made it so hard later the situation would have been bad enough without that complication they went abroad on their wedding journey and stayed several months and when jim came back he was fatter than ever everybody noticed it bella had a gymnasium fitted up in a corner of the studio but he would not use it he smoked a pipe and painted all day and drank beer and would eat starches or whatever it is that is fattening but he adored bella and he was madly jealous of her at dinners he used to glare at the man who took her in although it did not make him thin bella was flirting too and by the time they had been married a year people hitched their chairs together and dropped their voices when they were mentioned well on the anniversary of the day bella left him oh yes she left him finally she was intense enough about some things and she said it got on her nerves to have everybody chuckle when they asked for her husband they would say hello bella how's bubbles still banting and bella would try to laugh and say he swears his tailor says his waist is smaller but if it is he must be growing hollow in the back but she got tired of it at last 
well on the second anniversary of bella's departure jimmy was feeling pretty glum and as i say i am very fond of jim the divorce had just gone through and bella had taken her maiden name again and had had an operation for appendicitis we heard afterward that they didn't find an appendix and that the one they showed her in the glass jar was not hers but if bella ever suspected she didn't say whether the appendix was anonymous or not she got box after box of flowers that were and of course every one knew that it was jim who sent them to go back to the anniversary i went to rothberg's to see the collection of antique furniture mother was looking for a sideboard for father's birthday in march and i met jimmy there boring into a wormhole in a seventeenth-century bedpost with the end of a match and looking his nearest to sad when he saw me he came over i'm blue today, kit he said after we had shaken hands come and help me dig bait and then let's go fishing if there's a worm in every hole in that bedpost we could go into the fish business it's a good business better than painting i asked but he ignored my jibe and swelled up alarmingly in order to sigh this is the worst day of the year for me he affirmed staring straight ahead and the longest look at that crazy clock over there if you want to see your life passing by if you want to see the steps by which you are marching to eternity watch that clock marking the time look at that infernal hand staying quiet for sixty seconds and then jumping forward to catch up with the procession ugh see here jim i said leaning forward you're not well you can't go through the rest of the day like this i know what you'll do you'll go home to play grieg on the pianola and you won't eat any dinner he looked guilty not grieg he protested feebly beethoven you're not going to do either i said with firmness you are going right home to unpack those new draperies that harry bayless sent you from shanghai and you're going to order dinner for eight that will be two tables of bridge and you are not going to touch the pianola he did not seem enthusiastic but he rose and picked up his hat and stood looking down at me where i sat on an old horsehair covered sofa i wish to thunder i had married you he said savagely you're the finest girl i know kit without exception and you are going to throw yourself away on jack manning or max or some other nothing of the sort i said coldly and the fact that you didn't marry me does not give you the privilege of abusing my friends anyhow i don't like you when you speak like that jim took me to the door and stopped there to sigh i haven't been well he said heavily don't eat don't sleep wouldn't you think i'd lose flesh kit he lowered his voice solemnly i have gained two pounds i said he didn't look it which appeared to comfort him somewhat and because we were old friends i asked him where bella was he said he thought she was in europe and that he had heard she was going to marry reggie wolf then he sighed again muttered something about ordering the funeral baked meats to be prepared and left me that was my entire share in the affair i was the victim both of the circumstances and of their plot which was mad on the face of it during the entire time they never once let me forget that i got up the dinner that i telephoned around for them 
they asked me why i couldn't cook when not one of them knew one side of a range from the other and for anne brown to talk the way she did saying i had always been crazy about jim and that she believed i had known all along that his aunt was coming for anne to talk like that was sheer idiocy yes there was an aunt the japanese butler started the trouble and aunt selina carried it along End of chapter one